Alrighty, welcome to the Celtics Lab podcast. This episode of the Celtics Lab podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. I am Cameron Teptify. I'm your host for today. I'm joined by Dr. Justin Quinn and Alex Goldberg, per usual. We got a bunch of stuff to get into, so let's just intro our guests before we even intro the topic. We're talking to a man you might know as Wayne Spoonie. He also goes by Mike, but we might call him Wayne from here on out. Uh, Wayne, Mike, how are you? Good, man. How are you guys doing? It's a pleasure to be on. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, our listeners will know you probably best from first to the floor. Uh, a sister podcast, a brother podcast, a, a rival podcast. Um, you We're related for- somehow, yeah. yeah. Um, you also lend your talents to Celtics blog. Yeah, we're all indeed. Yeah, we're all suckling That's... from the same teat. <laughs> right, exactly. really say that? Yeah, yeah. The FanDuel teat. <laughs> and, and what a teat it is! Okay, yeah. <laughs> off to a Hot start. start. Yeah. yeah, um, I'll just come out and say it. My dog just pooped everywhere, so I'm more frazzled. <laughs> this is peak off season content. I'm loving this it. This is already. peak off season content. Justin, Alex, how are you? Better than me? Uh, I'm I have power. Right. Yeah, good. nice. Well done. Um, Alex, I, um, penultimate episode before you move to Brooklyn? I believe so, unless we schedule something between, well, it, it would have to be between now and next Friday, because that's that's when we're rolling, folks. Yeah, no, you're, uh, for, for you, dear listeners, uh, your co-host here, Alex, is making his pilgrimage to Brooklyn to get way too many weird tattoos and join DSA <laughs> and vote for, you know, candidates who will come in fourth in a ranked choice ballot and all sorts of fun stuff like that. So you can find me there. I will still be on the lab. I will still be watching Celtics games. That is not going to change. They're still my ride or die team, but I'll be doing it from a Brooklyn apartment this time. We'll allow it. Okay. In this episode, Wayne, you're here to talk about insurance <laughs> scams, among other things. Uh, people who work for Bain Capital, injury risks at FIBA World Cup, and most importantly, over at Celtics Wire, we hosted a fan survey, and we're going to talk about what the fans think of the Celtics and tell them whether or not those are valid feelings, uh, because we like to gatekeep here at the Celtics Lab podcast. How is job. that? All right. Let us do the news, because that's what we do, and then later we'll hop into the lab. That's where we'll talk about the fan survey. Um, it is the offseason. There's not that much to talk about. We can talk about the 2K ratings, but I would also just say hang tight, because I just talked to someone who knows more about that than we do. Um, so look at look into that next week. How is that? Uh, Wick, our dear, I guess we call him Governor. He co-owns the Celtics. Wick Grousebeck, Governor. Uh, Wick Grousebeck, the Governor of the Boston. This is a crazy episode of the Boston Celtics. Talked to Adam Himmelsbeck of the Globe. Um, he talked about Mark Smart. He talked about not selling the team. He talked about a few other things. Um, Mike, I'll go to you first, but you can be honest if you didn't catch this one. Any thoughts on? Wicks interview with Himmelsbeck or just Celtics ownership writ large? Yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting. He came out and said something like, we all decided a change needed to be made. And uh, we've talked a little bit about on first of the floor, but like if you're choosing to make a big change to this team or its identity and you're keeping Jalen Brown, really the only way to do that then would be to trade Marcus Smart, right? So Mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of cool that he was being candid about like, we knew we needed a big change and that change led to the Marcus Smart trade. And he seemed pretty hyped about Porzingis. I mean, I just read it. So who knows? Maybe he delivered it extremely deadpan, but my guess is he's pretty excited. And uh, so I, I thought it was, that was pretty cool. That was the big thing that jumped out to me. Otherwise, I mean, you know, he's saying all the normal owner stuff. I'm in it to win a championship. It's not a business thing for me. And it's like, well, why are we dodging the second apron then? If that's what it's really all about, you know? So it was an interesting. Himmelsbach always does great stuff. So it was, a, it was an interesting interview. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I'm thinking back now to the playoffs where um, Wick was on the sidelines. And I have to say, I don't think I've ever seen Wick more visibly frustrated and angry than during the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, he's seen a lot of playoff losses and a lot of disappointing finishes. And even in the finals, I don't think it came anywhere close to how like visibly upset he was during the East Finals. So to hear and to read him talking about, you know, how the Celtics needed to make a change and how there was a kind of collective agreement 
uh, you know, if we're buying that, which I think is reasonable. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's definitely one of those things where it, it's easy for there to be a collective agreement when you own the team and are visibly pissed off and everybody else yeah. works for you, if that makes any sense. Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah, he went out it's of his like, way to uh, go into the locker room and yell at the players, which is a very irresponsible manager kind of a thing that you never have heard him do before. So it's not that surprising that this all happened the way it did. Yeah, I appreciate that Wick is hands-on. I like fear the day where he is one of those like, owners whose personality and celebrity becomes the story and we'll see i mean mike to your point uh maybe his pockets aren't deep enough for that i feel like it's like the opposite of the red sox where the red sox have all the money in the world and they're just like refusing to engage with the product and the celtics it's not like they're not billionaires but it's not the the wealthiest ownership group but they seem quite involved and passionate about the sport so i guess what i'm trying to say is i hate the red sox so much (laughs) right now (laughs) Okay. And they won yesterday. <laughs> they did. They're eight and one in those yellow jerseys. It's it's madness. Um they are. They're always good in those. Weren't they great in them last year or two years ago? As yeah, well? I, the the back of the napkin math is they're like twenty seven and four in those jerseys or something Crazy. like that. Just wear Crazy. them. Those should just be the jerseys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait, real quick. You said that like you're afraid Wick might like it's like the mark humanization of ownership. Do yeah. we think he has that type of personality? Because I, I thought before these playoffs, I would have said absolutely not. But he kind of mixed it up with Missoula on the bench, too, didn't he? Am I misremembering yeah, a little that? Bit. No, yeah, yeah, totally. He definitely chirped him a little. Um, I don't I would be very surprised if Wick becomes that type of guy just because, like, frankly, Wick doesn't really have the personality or notoriety like nobody but Wick Grosbeck is known very well by Boston Celtics fans. I don't think yeah. anybody outside of that group of people knows a whole lot or cares a whole lot about Wick with all due respect. I will say at games when he shows up, he, he mixes it up with fans. He's always wearing a championship ring. I mean, yeah. To your point, I mean, I think his his lane is well-defined, but I think he, like I don't think he's going to be a Shark Tank host or something like that, but um I think he wants to. Maybe I don't know. Maybe that run in with the royal family like really got to his head. Mm. Okay. Anyways, it's the tequila. It's the tequila. Huh. Easy, easy, easy out to blame. Always way to move. Way to move the product. Okay. Um, it is the off season. We just got the preseason schedule. It's the usual. A lot of Sixers. A lot of Hornets. Justin, anything I missed from that summary? Uh, well, we were talking a little bit off air about whether or not we think some of those teams might be the opening night team. I think that is a lot more interesting than a bunch of meaningless games. The, th- the most remarkable thing, I think, honestly, is that there's five games this year, uh, mm-hmm. which means that they probably want to play a little more, which means they probably want a little bit more of a look at somebody, somebody's. So something to keep an eye on. Oh, I like that. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, it's not on our schedule, but Alex on Twitter, you have uh, the artist formerly known as Twitter. You have a poll out right now. Yeah. Uh, Mike, um, if you had your pick of the litter, what team would the Celtics tip off for their first game of the season, just for, with for the, funsies? With the quick addendum that it cannot be the Lakers, Nuggets, Suns, or Warriors as they That's are already scheduled. No, they're already scheduled for their first. But I, don't I mean, think... I, guess, I guess you could play them on a back-to-back, but I, I don't see that happening. That's okay. I've got my answer and it's none of them. (laughs) I love beating Philadelphia so, so much. I was in the house in Philly for the Tatum game winner this past season. And that was one of the best experiences of my entire life. There was grown men screaming, we'll never beat them. Jason Tatum. (laughs) Like as we're walking out of the stadium, um, I know we're going to be playing them in preseasons twice. So I think that takes a little bit of bite out of, opening the season against them but we opened it up this year with them got that nice comfortable win like uh, give me the feed me the sixers on opening day man and not the heat anyone but the heat it seems like we almost always get the sixers on opening night i mean it makes sense it's apparently their most storied rival Mm -hmm. and i'm cool with it uh i mean i guess the preseason thing i hadn't thought about that that kind of does take the shine off the apple but um I don't know. I don't. I guess I don't know how tuned in people are to the preseason. I bet a lot of people who would be in house for that opening game couldn't care less. Um, shout out to Anna Horford because I bet those same men crying in Philadelphia 
don't doesn't like that person. We like Anna Horford. You're at the Celtics mm-hmm. Lab podcast. Okay, a few more things in the way of news, and then we'll talk about the fan survey. Um, Justin, I'm just going to go to you on this insurance thing. Uh, I'm sure people tangentially know that a few former Celtics players were pinned for a health insurance scam. Can you fill in our knowledge graph there? So just a real brief recap, uh, a bunch of former NBA players, some of whom had money, which makes it even weirder, uh, got involved uh, with a scam that was led by former Celtic Terrence Williams. Uh, If you don't remember him, he wasn't that big of a Celtics uh, member, I think from the 2010s, I believe. And he basically roped in a bunch of people to do some fake uh, doctor's visits, uh, dental work, all this other stuff. And they ended up getting caught because they submitted uh, some some of the same dental reports for the same teeth on the same day, uh, which tipped uh, insurers off about the issue. And it ended up uh, going to trial as far as I know right now, uh, the only Celtics who are going to be doing jail time for this is, is Terrence Williams. And I think Keon Dooling is getting about a year, if I remember right. Uh, Big Baby pled not guilty. And Tony Allen uh, paid the money back that he got uh, and is now on probation. So a brilliant moment in Celtics alumni history. Keon Dooling, more like Keon, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't understand. Like, it just... This whole thing is a crazy story and none of it makes any sense because all of these guys have millions of dollars. Why? <laughs> like, can, can you at least... Go ahead, Cam. I'm sorry. Go I was ahead, just saying for the thrill. What's more thrilling than <laughs> dental fraud? <laughs> yeah. I got a crown that was $30,000, but I saw that like you, they don't even, they didn't have a fraudster who knew what they were doing. Like Terrence Williams was literally the ringleader. And apparently some of this stuff to justify it to insurance, you need like a letter of medical need that accompanies the bill. And I saw a quote, it was like, we started raising red flags because the letter had lots of misspellings and wasn't on letterhead. <laughs> like, huh. Come on, man. Like how, how did it take them this long to like discover it? They did it for like four or five years. So I, I mean, I guess they were getting away with it and they were like, wow, easy money, but man. Yeah. I was shocked at Bassey Telfair, like tons of Celtics were involved, man. Like what are we doing to these guys that they feel like they need a defraud health insurance afterwards? A substantial portion of the 2010 Celtics bench and 2012 Celtics bench yeah. is in on this. I'm just like, oh, man. <laughs> well, they didn't get that much playing time because the team was good. This is what they were talking about. <laughs> um, before we move off, I would just like to say that the only bigger scandal in the world of dentistry is dental insurance itself because the, that shit is garbage. I'm sorry. Um, but let's move on. Nobody even takes it anymore, dude. Like I can't even I know. find a dentist who I, I, takes it. You know it. what? I stand with the former Celtics players. This, yeah. this is a Robin Hood situation and <laughs> dental insurance. No, company. guys, guys, just come here to Mexico. I needed a seven thousand dollar impact and molar removed at a dental clinic, which is like two thirds the price of a normal dentist. I come here to Mexico, hundred and fifty bucks. Come on down. Uh, I'll hook you up. You Where in Mexico uh, are you? Mexico City. Oh, nice. I've been there twice. Cool city. A lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to blow a gasket if we keep talking about health insurance in the United (laughs) States. So let's keep it moving. Um, Or pet insurance. Oh my God. Uh, No, sorry. Um, FIBA is around the corner. It's taking place in the Philippines, uh, East Asia. And I think Australia gets like a game or something that that region of the world. Um, Increasingly, there are very few Celtics involved. Al Horford withdrew from the Dominican Republic team. Uh, Not with any overt injury, but He's going to be 38, so why not? Uh, O'Shea Brissett, Mike, your guy, uh, has enough knee problems that he's going to hang it up for Team Canada before things get off the ground. And it's Thursday evening. There was a report that Kristaps Porzingis was going to be sidelined with an injury, and the Latvian team came out and said that's not true and that they will later decide, I think the date was August 12th, whether or not he's going to play. Um, So... I guess we're going to take the Latvian team at its word that as best we can tell at the time of this recording, he is not injured, but Alex, I know that you have some trepidation about Porzingis's trip to FIBA straight up. Yeah. I mean, I think it's mostly lingering trauma from Danilo Gallinari uh, from last year. 
Um, I just am generally in favor of no Celtics going abroad to play basketball. Um, I'm pretty, pretty okay with that position. I think Jason Tatum won his gold and that's, that's all I need. I'm fine with uh, this just not happening anymore. Um, no, I, I think in reality, the main thing is that Porzingis already has a history of lower body injuries. Um, given that the Celtics front court features three very talented players who are all uh, reasonable risks to miss time this year, I just kind of am not thrilled about the idea of uh, Porzingis going abroad to potentially risk that in what is ultimately like a pretty physical international basketball environment. These guys are these guys are no joke. They really throw their bodies and weight around. Um, but that being said, you know, I'm not in control of these things. Hoopers want to hoop. I understand that instinct. And I would not be shocked if Porzingis is out there for Latvia, but we'll see. Yeah, Eastern European nationalism is like one of the strongest forces on planet Earth, I think. So if he wants to suit up, like I just can't tap into that. But if he gets injured, it's going to have been the most obvious thing ever. And uh, I will not feel great about it. So good luck to, I mean, the horse we have in this race, at least I don't think Iran has a team. So it's the U.S. Latvia for Cameron. Um, good luck to to all who celebrate FIBA World Cup, I suppose. Um, speaking of the international stage, Peyton Pritchard played for the select team, uh, which is not quite the U.S. team, but a select team of up-and-comers and talented people. Uh, they played a scrimmage, and Pritchard played a lot of point guard. In terms of heads, maybe he'll earn a spot in Joe Mazzullo's rotation because of that performance. Maybe it's good for his trade value. I don't know. Um, I don't think we need to linger on that one, though. Okay, a few other things. We don't yet know whether or not Blake Griffin will be a member of the Celtics. There's been plenty of commentary around he doesn't want to go to training camp, so he doesn't want to sign a deal before training camp. Um, I'm sure Boston is holding out. At this point, they have two open roster spots and a two-way spot, and uh, Luke Cornett. And who's the other non-guaranteed contract, Justin? There is no non-guaranteed contract anymore because he was cut. That was your man from Pitt. Justin Champagne. Champagne. Oh, so it's just Cornette who's the yes, lone. the sole unguaranteed. Okay. So Boston has a few uh, loose ends on the roster. And in fact, they'll have to sign a few people between now and when the season starts. Um, Mike, would you take Blake back? And do you have any names uh, off the off the cuff that you would add to the Celtics team? Yeah, I would absolutely take Blake back. Like other than he seemed to be an awesome locker room guy. And I didn't, I didn't see the report that he didn't want to go to training camp, but that is absolutely hilarious. And I totally believe that's part of the reason, but he was pretty good when he actually did play last year. I mean, he did his job. He like hustled, made some open threes, had like two dunks that got everybody in the, on the planet earth, like super hyped when he actually did it. So I don't really see how you can do much better than Blake right now on a veteran minimum contract. He knows the team. He knows the players. He knows the system. So I think that makes a lot of sense. The Svi Mihailuk um, rumors were getting me a little pumped. I'm a West Virginia fan, so I watched a lot of Big 12 basketball. And Svi was a killer in college. And like whenever I see him in the NBA, he's doing good stuff. I mean, he can't really defend, but you're talking about your 14th, 15th man like yeah obviously he's not going to be this great two-way player or he'd be not a 15th man but he could shoot the ball he's got a little bit off the bounce and he's going to get killed on defense but you could do a lot worse for that deep in your bench so i would be all aboard this v train if uh if we could sign him up dude can he, hit a corner three for sure yeah, yeah. if he plays the two and they play as much zone as the length of the people they have signed this offseason suggest they're <laughs> interested in it could work yeah. yeah, plus you want you want a little razzle dazzle off the bench. I think Blake coming back would be a very fun vibes move. I'm all in favor of that. Uh, and if that's listen, you know, 14th, 15th man, I think at that point it's a vibes choice for the most part. Um, so if the plan is to bring Blake Griffin back in for locker room chemistry vibes, I'm all for it. Um, another guy that would fit that bill is, of course, my man Javante Green, close friend of Jason Tatum, who I'd be more than happy to welcome back onto Boston. It's still bizarre to me that Terrence Davis has not been signed by anyone anywhere. And that guy is actually good and played meaningful minutes for the Kings in the playoffs and yet doesn't have a home. I think if the Celtics are concerned about guard depth, which I am, 
um, then that would be a pretty reasonable ad. But what do I know? I'm just holding out hope for uh, Tsunami Poppy, but we will see. I was sure you're going to say Carmelo Anthony, but I, I guess I should. <laughs> oh God, no! He can be <laughs> no. an assistant. No, that's my my new. Uh, Carmelo is retired, and uh, Kelly Uber Jr. isn't. Um, okay. Uh, last bits of news. Uh, we there some things. Jalen Brown got named to the first Boston thirty for thirty or thirty under thirty list. Pretty cool. Well deserved. Um, Paul Pierce and Dwayne Wade are feuding. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Let's see what happens right. at the Hall of Fame this weekend. Um, and then I'm not going to talk about 2K ratings. I'm going to break a podcasting rule, which is to promise something that hasn't been published yet because you never know what could happen. But I talked to Ronnie 2K today about player ratings, specifically Jalen and Jason. So next week you can check that out. And if the file is corrupt, I will monologue for 30 minutes about 2K ratings. Oh um, man, just can't wait for that. <laughs> 45. How's that? Um, okay, and that's the news. Uh, uh thank you for pronouncing Sfi's name because I didn't know how to pronounce it. Mike. All right. Wayne Spoony, okay, Mike Spooner, of first to the floor podcast. We're gonna play a game as we enter the Celtics lab. So put on your safety goggles and your little lab coat. We went to uh Celtics Wire, USA Today's Celtics Wire to um talk to the fans by way of a little poll and we have a bunch of questions and what we'll do is I'll read the question. I'll read the result. You'll tell us what you think. And then we'll Justin, Alex and I will take turns chiming in, but we won't do like a whole round table um, panel, but to establish your credibility, can you tell us how you got started with first of the floor, how you got started with Celtics blog, like give us your bona fides. So we know that you're a worthy judge here. All right. Okay. Absolutely. So uh, you probably will not think I'm worthy after this, but uh Ben started the podcast. He's like the host, the creator, uh, like five years ago. And it was originally the Celtics Reddit podcast. His thinking was the Reddit has a couple hundred thousand users. Like I'll start a podcast about it and I'll get all of those people to listen, which is not exactly how it played out. But him, Jackson and Joe and Jackson and Joe are kind of part time members. Like they'll be on once in a while. But um, they were like the, the three that did it weekly for three years i think three four years and then i was on paternity leave and babies sleep a lot at really (laughs) inopportune times and i wasn't working so i was like you know what i'm just gonna start writing like posts on reddit like i'm a writer for celtics blog or something and i did that for four or five months people really seemed to like them uh and then ben posted like hey i'm looking to add more members hope of the podcast, hopefully in the Eastern time zone. So we can be a little more us friendly. Is anyone on Reddit interested in joining? And I was like, yeah, man, I'm happy to. So he had me on, did a test show. I joined, that was two years ago. And then, you know, we did it for a year. I still writing this whole time. Uh, We added Jake and it's kind of the three of us who do it a little more often. And then Jackson and Joe are still part-time members, but we added Jake before last season We got picked up by Celtics blog in SB nation. And with that getting picked up, I was like, Hey, I also write if you guys are interested in that. And so they picked me up as a writer then right before last season. And then about two months later, SB nation dropped like all of their podcasts except two or three. And we were one of the podcasts that got dropped. Uh, Mm -hmm. But we right around when we joined Celtics blog, we rebranded from the Celtics Reddit podcast because we felt it was kind of like it's not super inclusive, right? You think like, well, if I don't go on Reddit, I'm not going to listen to these nerds talk about basketball. So we were hoping change the name and you'll listen to non Reddit affiliated nerds talk about basketball. Um, So that's when we moved to first to the floor. And then uh, Jeff from Celtics blog was like, reach out to Nick Gelso CLNS. Like I, they, they might be interested in you guys. And we had been going, growing pretty good the last year or two. And then we jumped on with with you guys, and here we are, man. We've been doing it for, I like I said, I've been on it for two years. Jake's been a year, and Ben's at five. So it's been fun, man. I can't believe even you know a couple hundred or a thousand people want to listen to me talk. My friends don't even want to listen to me talk about the Celtics. <laughs> so it's, it's a lot of fun, dude. I feel that in my bones. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so funny. <laughs> I ran into, um, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, Trevor Hawes, um, who writes for Celtics blog. I ran into him last night at a restaurant. 
and he and I started talking about the Celtics and then I turned back to my friends and they didn't want to talk about the Celtics. So <laughs> I totally <Leave>. get that. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So in our notes, it says you guys are one of the few podcasts with international members as if Justin doesn't live in another country, but um, <laughs> how does that impact your guys' process? And do you, do you feel the international fan base at all? Um, I, I would definitely say that when Aussies find us because uh, Jake and Ben are both Aus- Jake, Ben and Jackson are Australian and Joe is New Zealand. So when folks from that area find us, I think they immediately like, Oh, I'm in there's Aussies doing a podcast and I'm just like the token American that tags along. So definitely in that sense, um, definitely scheduling wise, I have to have Sydney as on my world clock app on my, on my iPhone, because otherwise it's like, charlie day you know with all Mm -hmm. like lines and numbers it's way too hard for me to figure that out but we we communicate exclusive exclusively on slack um and so like when it's nighttime here it's the morning there they work from home so they can like block off or take lunch a little early and we can record so we've made it work it works out pretty well once in a while we'll have some scheduling issues but other than that man it's the internet 21st century, you know, makes these things work somehow. So, but it is cool with the international people kind of, I think feeling a little kinship and I have nothing to do with that. I'm just along for the ride. As someone who used to live in Australia, I'm going to just chime in and say Australian daylight savings time is different than American. So it's not so easy as to say like they are exactly 14 hours ahead it is every ask. like every few months it changes to something yes. something between like 15 and 12 hours so it's very confusing um when i lived in australia i got it wrong all the time so i yep. definitely <laughs> agree like just having the clock even us corresponding with justin who is two hours behind sometimes unless i'm one wrong. unless you're unless one. i'm one because <laughs> you we don't do daylight savings time anymore so i'm usually mm-hmm. one hour the happier i'm one hour away the other half two and like y'all uh, in Australia, I have that weird, the dates don't quite line up. So like there's these like chunks of time where like. Okay, pausing the action to talk about our friends over at FanDuel because football season is about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you a chance to win all season long. Right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. That's bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Justin, down in Mexico, do you have any team that you're eyeing either for the Super Bowl or just in general? Well, you know, I don't really know all that much about the NFL. I do know that the Patriots were bad when I lived in Connecticut and good when I left. So seeing as I don't live in Connecticut, I will keep betting the Patriots. Uh, Who else might be a good idea? Yeah, I don't know if the Patriots are realistically a good Super Bowl bet, but um, I mean, the Chiefs feel safe until they prove otherwise. Um, I personally am just going to root against the Jets all season long, but I don't think that's the best way to get in on this specific action. But if you do, you should head to FanDuel.com slash Boston and you can start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. You must be 21 and older and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only $10 is required. Refunds are issued as a non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. Max bonus bet $50 unless specified otherwise. See terms at fanduel.com slash sportbook. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to gamesensema.com or call 1-8-0-0-G-A-M-1-2-3-4. All right, back to the podcast. Well, it's too complicated. Don't worry about it. It sucks. I'm ideologically <laughs> opposed to daylight savings time. I just keep my clock the same time all year. Same. <laughs> okay. Same. Arizona. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, we have it on our notes and why not? Um, what is your 30 second uh, advice you give to people who want to get into? I, I'm going to actually expand it either podcasting and or writing and or just like being a more active post poster on social. I would say just do it. I find that what hinders a lot of people is they do like 10 or 20 and then they just stop because it doesn't catch on. I mean, like we have grown so much and it took Ben three, four, five, six years to really get. And it's not like we have a huge following or anything like that, but you know, we've got 
a decent amount at this point. So doing it because if you get discouraged, like it's really hard to get people to listen to you and follow you. Um, and, but if you continue to pump out content at a consistent pace and it's good, people will find you. Yeah. I'd echo that. I, the only thing I would add is do it on your own terms. Like don't do it to be popular yeah. for the clicks, like just be honest and be yourself and it'll land. It just takes momentum and time. And get a weirdo. Weird. Yeah. Well, get, be weirdo. Get, if you're a weirdo, you know, <laughs> yes. it's weirdo. okay. And be okay bringing in weird guests, like yes. bring in people who are just like random folks that are interesting. It doesn't matter if they actually know anything about basketball. If they're interesting, they're worth having on. It's such a cheap shot at Mike. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> also, also, if you're cool, you can be cool. Like maybe cool people listen to this podcast. I don't know why. Cool people would... listen to this podcast. Who are we kidding? <laughs> yeah, definitely not ours. I can tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> no one's cool. Um all right, Mike, you have established yourself as a credible source. You are uh, you are our Randy Jackson. And so you're going to judge for us um, this fan survey we put out on Celtics Wire. Thanks to anyone who took a look at it, clicked on it, engaged with it. Um, the I will say Thunder Wire's fan survey cleaned our clock in terms of fan engagement, but uh, that's not our lane here at the Celtics Lab podcast. Anyways, uh, Mike, I'm going to read you the question and the results. You give us a fair foul or uh, it's too close to call. Um, and then Alex, Justin, and I will take turns hopping in um, mostly to the benefit of celerity. So we don't like get too bogged down, but I suppose if it gets heated, it gets heated. All right. Question one was what grade would you give the Celtics this off season? And the overwhelming and Alex, actually, I, as a teacher, this is hilarious. The overwhelming answer was a B 61% of people said B uh, the next closest was an A uh, which got 16% and a C got 13%, a small minority of, of participants gave it a D or an F. So a pretty reasonable bell curve here, um, or a very sharp one anyways. Mike, fair foul on that B. Uh, so I think when I filled this out, I also went with a B. So I think that's fair. If you look at the Porzingis trade in a vacuum, like that's pretty insane value for Marcus Smart two first round picks that turned into 35 second round picks in a first and Chris Stapp's Porzingis for him. But the problem is I think it's also pretty high risk, right? He's got a lot of injury problems. Orford's old. Rob's got injury problems. Brogdon's got injury problems. So it's a, it's a boomer bust off season. And I think it's either going to be an a plus or a D and that probably averages out to a B if that, you know, is so fair is where I would go. I think that's a really good way of putting everything you said. For me, the if it goes very right thing, it will be because as much as I love Marcus Smart, he's a very high variant player. We mm -hmm. all very strongly remember the times he saved the game and memory hole, the times he lost the game. Uh, he does that less now, uh, but he's also aging. So overall, I, I do think that, you know, like a very weak B is about where I would, Ball. I think I gave it a C uh, because I was still a little bit unsure of it. Uh, but if it does end up working out, I think it's going to end up looking like genius. The the, the problem is that Kristaps Porzingis is not not a high variance player for a different reason, which you which you just basically broke down for us. So I I largely agree with the sentiment of B, um, and I think it mostly boils down to that. Uh, the Celtics kept Jalen Brown and kept a contending roster in place. Um, ultimately, this offseason for me, the most important thing that Boston could do is make sure that Jason Tatum is happy uh, so that next year he signs his big fat monster extension with Boston and doesn't think about leaving. Um, and so to that end, uh, a number one priority for me was re-sign Jalen Brown. They did that. The Marcus Smart trade, I think it just has to be a TBD. Like, I don't think there's any way that we can know until we see the on-court product, uh, whether that's going to be a good trade or a bad trade. There's too many variables. Um, I am genuinely concerned about their guard depth and about the injuries with the front court. Uh, I do think that's a real problem. But at the end of the day, the core is intact. I think that as long as Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and uh, Derek White are on the team there's a floor to this team and what they're capable of that is still a great bit higher than most other teams in the nba so for me it's a solid b with a chance to become an a and a chance to get worse
Um, I'm just gonna chime in and say, Alex, that's a really good transition to our next question. And as a teacher, sometimes you see C work that is so ambitious, you give it a B. And I'm just gonna let that flow in the air. Um, I'll also remind myself, Justin, and Alex, that we all three of us don't need to chime in on <laughs> each question, but I thought I'd give that that peek behind the teacher curtain. Okay, You can Mike. use my last answer for my next answer, since I basically answered that too. Yeah, it's a little redundant. Um, the question was, how do you feel about Boston's trade for Kristaps Porzingis? The options were like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, and wait and see. And 50% of people liked it. 21% of people loved it, 19% of people want to wait and see, and then a small minority disliked it or hated it. Uh, again, we, we've sort of already touched on this, but Mike, 50% of people like it, fewer people love it, just as many people are cautiously optimistic or pessimistically op uh, optimistic, I don't know. Um, what do you think? Yeah, so I, I think I said like when I filled out the survey. I think I'm going to disagree with myself. Uh, I think I, I'd love it if we're just evaluating the trade itself in a vacuum because, like I said, that's great value for Marcus Smart. And, Justin, you're you're right. Like, Porzingis is high variance. Well, so is Marcus Smart. So mm -hmm. if you're basically turning a high variance player into a probably better high variance player and you get assets back, that's a, that's a pretty damn good trade. So I'm going to go with love on that one. So fair is that, is that right? That's how I mean, I'm evaluating it. Yeah. At the end of the day, the vast majority of people are in favor of the trade or yeah. waiting to um, cast their judgment. I mean, that goes into the quality of the methodology. I mean, as someone who clicks on a Celtics flyer poll and fills it out, probably has a certain feeling about the team. So maybe these are, it's not a great representative sample. Maybe the Oh no, it's a very great representative sample because this is the fan survey. This is true. And Celtics Wire fans are they speak for us all. Okay. Um yeah, we don't need to re rehash the poor Zingus thing. Um at least which he might come back from <laughs> World Cup damaged, so doesn't even matter. Okay. We asked the Celtics Wire fans, the Celtics Wire fans, how they feel about Jalen Brown's Supermax extension. Again, the options were like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or I want to wait and see. And in order, 44% of people like it, 34% of people love it, 11% of people want to wait and see, 7% of people dislike it, and 1% hate it. Mike, you have yeah, the floor. I, I was, I was uh, bouncing between like and wait and see um, because I was afraid that ownership was going to get too cheap and start losing assets. And we've already seen that with Grant Williams on his way out the door. Uh, so I, I ultimately, I think like is probably where I would land just because like Jalen Brown is really, really, really good. You got to pay him his money. It's sort of sticker shock right now, but there's already people signing bigger contracts than what he's got. Like, I just got to, I have to get over the fact that these guys are going to be making like $300 million on their contracts. Like all the stars are going to be making that much money. It's just Jalen was first. So it's sort of shocking. Uh, but ultimately you have to keep him. He's that good. He's a great second banana. And I think he works really nicely with Porzingis when Tatum's on the bench. So ultimately it is a lot of money though. So just a like for me. Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about this before. At the, at the very least, the thought experiment of like what else could have gone down is is hard to run for very long. I mean, mm -hmm. it, they're they're really awesome golden handcuffs, right? You would end up in basically the same place later on. I mean, you'd have different complications and whatnot, but I mean, like splitting Jalen's contract up into smaller parts, you still want more cap space to do that in because then you get more players right so it's like no matter what you ended up doing you'd end up at the same place and this is this is the path to wherever you want to go with more assets so yeah i feel like if anything that the more interesting experiment or thought experiment is porzingis's extension um i feel like we didn't really hash out like whether or not that that was prudent or smart or clever or whatever which was just like oh it happened okay um so as such, let's keep it moving. I, actually, I'm going to ask everyone to chime in here because I think this is fascinating. And Amit, if you're listening, clip this. This is good for, this is the video we want to promote the episode. Who should be the fifth starter alongside Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Datum, and Chris Tapps Porzingis next year? Mike, the people strongly want Robert Williams III. 59% of people picked Robert Williams III. 
A third of people picked Al Horford. Just 7% of people said Malcolm Brogdon. And 0% of people said other. Mike, who should be the fifth starter for the Boston Celtics next year alongside Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Kristaps Porzingis? I think I got to agree with the majority here. Um, Al, I think, is, has a compelling argument, but I just want his minutes down next year, and that's a lot harder to do if he starts. Um, I guess you could make the same argument with Rob, but I can see a world where Porzingis is guarding the center in the pick and roll, and Rob is the, in that off-ball roamer defensive destroyer role, or we go zone with you know Tatum and White up top, Brown and Rob in a corner, and Porzingis like floating around the rim. That just seems like an absolutely absurd defensive lineup. And I think that I want to see them get back to the defensive identity defense first that they had on that finals run, because the offense is going to be crazy good no matter what. When you have the Jays and Porzingis and Derek White, like you could throw me out there. They're going to score 100 points. Um, So, yeah, I think it's got to be Rob just for the defensive versatility and the fact that like I want to see Rob's passing get used a little bit more. And I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for like big to big stuff, high, low stuff with him and Porzingis. So and you think long term, Rob's going to be a much bigger part of this team for the next three, four years than Horford. So like, let's throw him in the deep end now, get him used to playing with these guys and let's go win a title, man. Cool. Um, I like the thinking. I'm afraid that I agree with you too. And the question is who should be the fifth starter. I am afraid that the coach uh, and his patented Missoula ball is going to be so attracted to the idea of having Al Horford out there shooting threes Mm -hmm. that we may not see that at least to start, or maybe it will be situational. Uh, We were talking about this a little bit off air, Alex, and uh, you actually brought that point up. And I think I'm, I'm sold that at least at least a third of the season, roughly, we're going to be seeing Al Horford start. I really hope it's less than that. It's going to be interesting. So I also voted for Rob. Uh, I think that would be my preferred outcome. And I think there's a couple of reasons why that are actually a little bit kind of seemingly contradictory. But I think um, everything that you said about, Mike, about um, Rob and kind of the passing and the different dimensions that he unlocks on defense, I think is really accurate. And I think the idea of having Robert Williams back in that Rover role is probably the best use of him defensively. That works better in the starting lineup. That doesn't work as well uh, on the bench. And that's not to say that, like, I think the Celtics are going to be going two bigs on the floor as much as possible. Um, That's a lot of the logic behind the trade. But I do think that's the best role for Rob. And to that end, I actually think in a kind of weird, contradictory way, Robert Williams is better suited to being in the starting lineup, even if I think Al Horford might still be better at basketball than him, if that makes any sense. Um, I think that Horford uh, has a really important presence on this team, particularly defensively, where if you look at all of the advanced metrics, Al Horford is still one of the 10 best defenders in the league, which is kind of crazy. Um, And I think he will be out there in crunch time when it matters. But to preserve Al Horford's minutes for the playoffs, which is where we really need him. And um, in large part, because I I trust Al Horford on the bench to just kind of get out there with anybody and find ways to be effective uh, in a way where I feel like Rob is a little more dependent on having other really talented players on the floor to fully unlock his game. I actually am, am pretty okay with the idea of Rob in the starting lineup, even if I think that Al Horford might actually be a little better than him in terms of overall impact on the game. I'll be a little different. I I guess I'm curious enough about Missoula Ball that I wonder if Hauser or Brissett could come in and be a starter. Not that they necessarily have starter talent, but as the fifth guy that spreads the floor and like allows for Missoula's platonic ideal for an offense it like kind of keeps the depth rotation uh, a little preserved. And if Horford's not going to play back-to-backs and Robert Williams is not going to play more than 60 games, and obviously that last bit isn't guaranteed, I'm just like curious. I, I just like truly don't know how to answer the question because I think there's at least 20, 25 games where uh, it's going to be atypical. So then there might not be a typical starting lineup. So um, I actually don't like the Rob Porzingis fit like my priority is Rob plays with Tatum as much as possible because they seem like they have good synergy 
And if that's starting great, but I worry about Rob's legs and conditioning enough that like Horford, I actually don't need to, to see him start that many games until the postseason. So uh, I'm going to punt and say, but Brissett would intrigue me, but thank goodness I'm the one who, not the one who has to actually make the call. Speaking of which, we asked, what grade would you give head coach Joe Mazzulla's tenure thus far? I Unless someone like really needs to get something off their chest, let's not dwell on this one. 5% of people gave him an A, 61% of people gave him a B, 22%, that's a healthy number, gave him a C, and then a small minority gave him a D or an F. Uh, Mike, you going with a B here? Yeah, I, I was between a B and a C. I think I ultimately B minus would probably would be what I'd give him. Um, super talented team that played well. No surprise there. Took over in very difficult circumstances. So you got to cut them some slack with that. But ultimately, this team was good enough to at least make the finals, if not win it. And they fell short, man, and in sort of embarrassing fashion in some ways against Miami. So I think a B is fair, taking all the context. Cool. Yeah, we, we've done this one before. Um, the next question, how many games will the Celtics win in the 23-24 season? No one has taken under 41 wins. 2% of people say 42 to 49, which is not that many wins. Um, a third of people said 50 to 54. And these were arbitrary cutoffs. Um, a third of people said 50 to 54. 55% of people said 55 to 59 wins. And 8% of people said 60 or more wins. Um, it's a little pedantic because, you know, sometimes you get the second night on a back-to-back and it's a snowstorm and that's it. It's a scheduled loss. But regardless, Mike, how many wins will the Celtics uh, earn next year? Yeah, I think if you could guarantee me 70 games of the bigs um, and Tatum and Brown staying relatively healthy, I, I would go with 60 plus. But I think the chances of that are just about zero. So I went with 55, 59, probably shading towards 55 closer than 59. So I just think, you know, they're not going to take the regular season super seriously. They're planning for something else. Like this is a team that cares about the playoffs and they're fine. If they're the two seed or the three seed, they're not going to be gunning for the one. So I think that mid fifties is a, is a good spot for them. Yeah. I'm in agreement with you. I actually have them at 50 to 54 in that same vein. Um, And I think my thinking on this is that there's also going to be an adjustment period uh, the lack of Marcus Smart, the integration of Kristaps Porzingis and all of these new players, that's that's going to take some time to really hammer that out. And I don't think the Celtics are going to get off to the same scorching start that they did last year. Um, I have them at 50 to 54. I think that their regular season win total is going to be lower than last year, but I do think their playoff ceiling could be higher. I think they won 57 games last year and were mm-hmm. two seed for anyone yeah. playing the home game. Okay. What regular season game are you most excited for next year, Mike? And um, Marcus Smart's return to Boston ran away with it, that 54%. And then I just picked a few uh, games I thought were intriguing. The first cheat at Celtics game, 21% of people picked that. Only 9% of people picked Lakers at Celtics. And despite the conversation we had before, only seven people said first Sixers at Celtics game. Um, Justin, did you add this note? Why no Grant game? Yeah, I did. So once upon a time before I did this, when I was a graduate student, I worked as a survey designer. And uh, one of the things that we have to watch for is this thing called satisficing, where people, maybe they want to answer something else, but because they see something that seems to be more obvious and not the thing they're looking for, they pick that instead. And you get a satisficing rather than a satisfying answer to your question. You don't get the answer you were really looking for. And for me, whoever designed this survey, we have to fire the intern because uh, I don't know, man, that seems like kind of an important thing between the Missoula tension and like his teammates, like arguing uh, why isn't Grant playing and then him thinking, well, he's gone. Then we're like, oh, he's coming back. And then he's gone for sure. There seems like there's some good tension built into that. I don't think it quite has the gravitas of the smart game, but I felt like it should have been on a list. Yeah, hold on, hold on. I just, hold on, hold no, on. I just got fired here. Let me speak <laughs> up. Um, point taken about methodology and you know speaking as many truths as we can. If you were taking the survey a hundred times, would you ever pick the Grant game? Maybe. I like Grant. <laughs> I think 
Justin, with all due respect, that you are, are not a representative sample of the standard Celtics fan base in this. I matter. like Catan. I like Catan. What can I say? I'm a nerd. <laughs> you got to think the Kyrie stuff is baked into the Grant game, too. So there's exactly. a little extra yeah. juice and Luca, there. And Luca's a good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Throw out the data. <laughs> it's incorrect. Yeah. Um, yeah, that smart video package. I hope they're working on it already because that's going to be beautiful. Um, can we can we not dwell on this? But I don't think they should retire Marcus Smart's number. Does anyone think they actually should? No, I don't. Okay, wrong organization. Cool. Maybe maybe the Grizzlies will. I think he has the opportunity. If he gets into the finals, they cool. should retire Marcus Smart's number after he wins a title when he comes back in three years. There you Lovely. go. All right, a few more, and uh, I can't believe um, how I'm going to anchor this. So the question was, how will the season end for the Celtics? 65% of people said they're going to win a title, which I thought was a little zealous. Uh, 12% of people think they'll lose in the finals. 11% will lose in the Easter Conference finals. 10% think they'll lose in the second round. Over on FanDuel, maybe you've heard of them, Boston has the number one odds to win the title, um, squeaking out just ahead of the Nuggets, and uh, they're plus 470. Next Eastern Conference team is the Bucks at plus 600. So I saw these, this data, and I thought we have some very eager fans participating in our polls, but uh, the the gurus over at FanDuel would back it up. Mike, what would you pick? I, I pick title, and the only yeah. reason is that I'm a massive homer. It, there's no <laughs> analysis. It's like superstitious here. I think yeah, yeah. Also. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not yeah, superstitious. So, I'm like uh, I'm a little stitious, but um, you well, uh, guys, come on. Um, the Boston Celtics are winning the title this year because Dunkin' Donuts is coming out with a line of spiked coffee and tea beverages. There's no <laughs> chance we're winning this yeah. shit. <laughs> That's true. I forgot about that that we have that coming coming for us um to everyone designated driver for goodness sake okay uh mike do you live in philly no i live in morgantown west virginia but i grew up in massachusetts i was there for 25 years and then moved down here well first of all um don't sleep on appalachia beautiful part of the country um yeah but this question might not be for you the question was how many home games you personally plan to attend um and I borrowed this from Clement over at Thunderwire, but zero, uh, zero was the choice for about a fifth of people. One to three, 42% of people picked one to three, which um, speaking of methodology, we have no idea who these people are and how far from the city they live, et cetera. Uh, 3% of people said three to 10, 1% of people said 10 plus, and 28% of people said they can't go because they're out of town or so. Um, maybe that's you, Mike. But I actually, I guess I don't know how many Celtics games do you go to a year. Uh, recently, I've been doing one or two. I will. Um, I went to DC two years ago, and then Philly this past year, and then I went to a finals game. Um, so my whole family still lives in Mass, so I'll be up over like the Christmas holiday. So I'll probably try to get to a game then. Are you closer to DC or Cleveland? Uh, so they're about almost exactly the same. They're both about three and a half hours. So we'll probably do Cleveland this year, actually. That becomes a boring drive so fast. Eastern, yes. <laughs> as beautiful as West, West Virginia is, it, Eastern yeah. Ohio is, all of Ohio is a boring place to <laughs> yes. drive in a car. I saw my first Amish drunk drivers there. That was, they were just drinking on the horse, the horse drawn <laughs> carriage. It was very interesting. I'm going to go But that's what you see say, there. I, I feel like the horse drawn carriage DUI should not be an arrestable offense. Those things are moving at two miles an hour. Like a golf cart. <laughs> yeah. And the horses well, want to get home. They're not going to collide with other horses. I'm going to guess that we don't have any Amish listeners uh, to the podcast. Mennonite, perhaps. Mennonite, Mennonite perhaps. perhaps. Maybe. Maybe. Well, to quote Robin Williams, if you're in Amish country and you see a man with his arm inside a horse, just remember that's a mechanic. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> our, our second to last question. Uh, how do you enjoy Celtics games at home? The options were cable, streaming, but on a television, watching in a computer or tablet, uh, on your phone, on the radio or social media. And I'm pretty surprised by these results. 34% of people say by way of cable. 45% of people say streaming but on a television. 
only 16% of people said computer or tablet, only 2% of people said phone, which is shocking to me based on that number of ads that I get about watching the NBA on my phone. 1% of people said radio, which is, I guess, lower than I was expecting. And 1% of people said social media. Um, Mike, how do you take your Celtics games? So I, I'm going to drop a hint for some people, for your listeners here. If you have YouTube TV, buy your league pass through YouTube TV and not the NBA.com or NBA app. It works a thousand times better. So that's how that I do fascinating. it. Yeah, it is way, way better. Um, so I do YouTube TV streaming with league pass since I'm out of market and you know, no complaints except for the stupid blackouts, but I get those, you know, I get them on TNT anyway. I just miss Mike when it's a mm. national game. Um, no blackouts here in Mexico, but I'm 2,000 yeah. miles away from a game, so yeah, win some, you lose some. Yeah, only above board for you, right, Justin? Um, Alex, how do you take your games? Uh, I stream, but I don't use a TV or a computer. I have a projector because that's the Ooh, sophisticated uh, bad methodology again. Oh my god, <laughs> are you kidding I, me? I'm satisfied I or whatever. <laughs> I throw this whole screen. survey out. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, we missed the projector people. Damn it! I, I have a projector Wait, what, what, too, but I'm not allowed. In to all use seriousness, what was the what was the term? Not satisfying. What was the term? Satisficing. It's like satisfying, satisfying, but with icing at the end. Sure. Um, yeah, at this point, I feel like every time I read a political poll, I'm like, this is witch magic. This isn't real science. Um, yeah, most polling, like if it's not from like Quinnipiac for political stuff, don't trust it. It's probably, or Michigan. Michigan's got a good, good, uh, and UF, or, you know, or Celtics Wire. Yes, them too. If Celtics, if Celtics Wire starts. Actually, we're terrible. Did I say that out loud? Oh, God. Anyway, <laughs> we're getting better by the day. Um, I stream by way of, apps where I like a lot of people who work at these apps, but goodness gracious, they don't work well at all. Um, when I used to drive Uber, I, I love listening on the radio. Um, Sean and Max do it better than anyone else in the business. I, I, I don't like, I don't care that it's only 1%, but I guess I'm shocked that like more people aren't out and about listening on the radio because it's such a good product. Okay. And last and not least, because it's just like kind of randomly the last question. What was your favorite social media app for Celtics content? We asked the people and 60% of them picked Twitter. And I'm just going to call it that. 5% uh, said Facebook, 10% said Instagram. No one said TikTok. Uh, I think we really screwed up the intern. We got to fire the intern who uh, did this part of the survey. Why? What did they do? That, that, that was me. I, I forgot that part. Oh, I'm going to okay. go out and say that uh, I think the average Celtics blog reader is not part of the hugest TikTok audience in the world. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, but Celtics Wire is hip, so they're on TikTok. Right. Um, well, 20% of people said other. Maybe that was they were looking for TikTok. And they were not satisfied. Um, that was a weird note to end on. I don't know. Mike, <laughs> you got anything? Um, I'm about to bring this full circle. You know, Celtics Reddit podcast is how we started. Always been a Reddit guy. So even though I'm on there a lot less these days, Reddit is I'm in the minority there. I'm a Reddit guy. Got a, a solid 4%. Yes. Yeah. Or <laughs> the like Nikki Haley of <laughs> Celtic social media. That's just so kidding. She's polling at less than 4%. How dare you slander our guest like that? Yeah. One time Nikki he Haley did not call him the Ron DeSantis of. <laughs> yeah. Blah blah blah. So that's uh, that one time has... Nikki Haley retweeted me, and I almost uh, deleted the tweet. I was so embarrassed. God. <laughs> yeah, and on that bombshell, uh, it's Mike, the off who, you who are you voting for? Uh, <laughs> Mike Spooner, <laughs> oh, Lord. aka Wayne Spoonie of First of the Floor Podcast and Celtics Blog. Uh, I told the people where they can find you, but plug anything you want to plug, and in advance, thanks for coming on. Yeah, dude, guys, thank you. This was super fun. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at WSpoonie um, and then just check Celtics blog and, you know, subscribe to First to the Floor. Thank you guys again. Yeah, thanks for joining. Celtics Reddit, you're a good community. Um, we thank you for keeping us in your thoughts sometimes or keeping us honest. Um, Justin, in terms of like legally, when we write about Twitter, we have to call it X now? Uh. We can use the colloquial terms for things that people use if is used colloquially. And let me tell you, 
despite Elon's brilliance, it's used colloquially. I've just been saying social media now to avoid it, but um, yeah, you could do that too. I saw the AP put out a new style guide. Anyways, Mike, um, Wayne Spoonie, thank you so much. Um, first to the floor, our our sister podcast, our brother podcast, right? <laughs> part of the CLNS mafia. Um, everyone, go check them out. Uh, go check out Mike on Twitter. And like I said, next week we will at the very least be back with a conversation, hopefully with Ronnie 2K or my big wonderful monologue. So until then, uh, we'll catch you later and adios.